I'm going to ask if you will to with me to turn to Ecclesiastes as we are still in the series of finding meaning in life as we look through the works and the words and the frustrations and the learnings of Solomon in this wisdom literature found in God's holy word. Today is work for the Lord and not for yourself, and we'll look at Ephesians chapter 2. We'll begin in verse 18, and then we'll go over to chapter 3 and verse 9 and read through 13. But uh, Those of you with your Bibles, you can keep them open. I'll be reading some other scripture uh, from these passages a little later on in the message. If you are physically able this morning, I invite you to stand with me in honor and reverence of the reading of God's Word before us. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, beginning in verse 18. I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool? Yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity." So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun, because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. What has a man from all of his toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Even in the night, his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. And then in chapter 3 and verse 9, he goes on to say, What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live, also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. May God bless the reading of his word today. You may be seated. We have looked at trying to find meaning in life through pleasures, through our wisdom, and now through our work. As we have seen and will see today, uh, many pleasures are given by God. Wisdom also given by God. And so we see today work, labor. The truth is, we should find a wonderful satisfaction in doing something and doing it very well, because an idle life is an unfulfilled life. It's a waste of given time that has little or no reward. We are meant to to work or to labor, to do something and do it well. However, we see that Solomon was a king that did work and did his many projects very well. And yet in all that Solomon accomplished, he could not find a lasting joy or a sense of accomplishment or even worse, a finality to his labor. I thought this week that though his people 
Under his watch care as king, and the people of other nations, kings and queens, were in awe of the great and mighty King Solomon. And all that he had done, and all that he had accomplished, all that he had gathered, all that he had built. And yet, Solomon himself was not satisfied with who he was and what he had done. It's quite amazing, isn't it? Today, for just a few moments, we'll look at why and what the problem with finding meaning and what we work in is. And prayerfully, it's been my prayer that we all will leave here today with a greater sense of peace that comes only through being in a right relationship with our Creator through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I come to you today and asking again for your wisdom to speak to your people. This is an awesome place in which I stand. As these have set aside of their life to come and feast upon the Word and to worship you. And now, Lord, give us wisdom to gather what you have for us to gather from heaven. Open our spiritual eyes, Lord, and our spiritual ears and speak to our hearts this morning. And Heavenly Father, in the midst of all this talk of labor, would you give us rest? Would you give us rest of our mind, rest in our heart, rest in our soul, and bring peace to your people this morning? Feed us, Lord. Feed us until we want nothing else of the world. Feed us from heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Solomon said, I hated all my toil. I hated it. For all his days are full of sorrow, he speaks of the one who works and labors diligently. And his work is a vexation. There's always a new problem to work through. And we've seen that in life. You look throughout history, each generation has had a new problem, so to speak, to work through. His work is a vexation. The work never ceases. And he says, and even in the night his heart does not rest. This is the person who is always thinking, unable to rest in his mind or her mind and and heart because they're always thinking of what they need to do, what needs to be done. The heart does not rest even at night. And Solomon said, this also is vanity. We've seen in all this magnificent awe-inspiring work that Solomon did in his time, he was not happy. He knew God, but was backslidden in his relationship with God. In verses 18 through 21, again, we see the problem of what is vexing the heart of Solomon. He said, I hate, hated all my toil, everything I've done in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. That wasn't just a sense of hatred for others to benefit from all that he had done, but he had some problems philosophically with these things. The person who would come after him, if he was a wise king, then he would 
simply have his thing to do. He might take what Solomon did and build on it, but if he's wise, he's going to have his projects, and he's going to do his thing, so to speak, what he's good at, and he's going to lead in the way that he sees fit to lead. If he's a foolish king, on the other hand, he will waste what Solomon had done. He would lose it all. Either way, Solomon's saying, here I am working diligently every day to build a kingdom, and it's going to, be, it's going to fade away. It's not going to be remembered. If it's a wise king, he's going to do his thing. If it's a foolish king, he's going to waste it away and lose it. Either way, what I'm doing diligently every day will not be remembered for very long. By the way, Solomon's fear came to pass. Solomon cracked the door to idolatry in Jerusalem by allowing his many wives to build pagan temples for worship, but his son would swing the door wide open, allowing idol worship there in the holy city of Jerusalem. A civil war would break out among the nation of Israel, and they would split into the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And this once powerful people of God were now divided. That is exactly what happened. And not only that, we see that Solomon's great temple that was once filled with the Shekinah glory of God was taken captive. It was broken down. It was destroyed by the enemies of God's people. And so much of Solomon's treasures were taken away into idolatrous lands. What a wasted masterpiece. There was a father who wanted to leave his daughter something. She was a young girl, and he was a painter, a painter by trade. And so he decided that he would paint a portrait that she could keep all of her life. And not only would he paint her as a small child as she was at the time, but he would express how he thought God would bless her life. And so he painted illustrations of her teenage years and her adult years of family and home. And he worked many months on this masterpiece, a family masterpiece for his daughter. He completed it after many months and he brought his small daughter in to see it. She was too young to appreciate it at that time. And then the painter, with all of his paints out, turned his back to do some other work for a moment, and the little girl took the paintbrush and began to destroy the masterpiece that he had worked so diligently to express the beauty of how he thought God would bless her life. This is exactly what happened to Solomon, and it's exactly really in some ways, what happens to us. And all we labor and work for, it's either a stepping stone for someone or a trash can for others. In our church, you know, we work diligently to make this a family and good atmosphere, a place where God is worshipped. Make it built upon biblical foundations and not our own foundations. But the truth is, in 50, 100 years, we can't determine what the next people will do. We can do our best to give them a firm foundation to build upon. But we can't be assured of how they're going to treat the Westside Baptist Church. Or our homes. We might leave our homes and make our homes beautiful atmospheres, but we cannot control how those that come through our home, our families, will leave and go on to do with what we've given them inheritance. 
I looked up this week, uh, one in three people that receive an inheritance, large inheritances, it's wasted within just a matter, short matter of time in their life. One in three that receive an inheritance, it's gone. How many times have we seen the family business passed down and, and the child or the grandchild really doesn't want the business or they take the business and don't work at it like their father or grandfather, mother or grandmother did and they run it into the ground? Our family as well. These things tormented Solomon. Because he had done mighty and great things. And he was praised not only in his nation, but among other nations. Kings and queens came to Solomon to gather wisdom for life and building king and wealth, king, kingdoms and wealth. And yet he was not satisfied because of these vexing problems. What is the point of work, he says. In verse 24 of chapter 2, he says, There is nothing better for a person than he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also, I saw, is from the hand of God. And in verse 25, it begins to unfold even more, because he says, For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? Apart from God. Who can eat and who can have enjoyment? Who can make sense of life? And the question comes to us today, and I want to ask you this morning as I've asked myself, do we try to find meaning in what we do? Most of the world, yes. And that goes for those who call themselves Christians as well. Do you try to find meaning in life by what you do? Do you try to find your identity in what you do? Or do we do what we do and how we do it because we have found purpose from God? Those are certainly two different questions. There'll come a day when I'm not the preacher or the pastor of Westside Baptist Church. And if I have found my sole identity in that and have served uh, my work as a pastor instead of God's work, then I will likely be bitter and hard and cold and lonely and hurting. And the same it is with you, beloved. Teacher, nurse, whatever it is, are you trying to find meaning and purpose in what you do? Or are you doing what you do and how you do it because you have found the work that God has put before you in this time. For apart from Him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? He goes on to say, For to the one who pleases Him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy, but to the sinner He has given the business of gathering and collecting. This is what most of the world does. Even us. We spend our time gathering and collecting. It comes and then it goes. And what's important to me and my generation won't be necessarily to my children. I have quite a few Charles Spurgeon books in my office, and Tori let me know last night that she wants a library, but it won't be filled with Charles Spurgeon books. And that's, you know, that's okay. That's okay. Then he goes into 
a passage of Scripture in chapter 3, verse 1, that we all, most of us, know very well. And if you don't, that's okay. It's the famous Scripture about the seasons of life. I'd like to read that. And I, I don't want you to disconnect the seasons like we do so many times from what we've already read. The vexation of spirit. How he hated all the toil of life. How he realized uh, there's no meaning apart from God. And he says, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. And then he asks in verse 9, what gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. You know, we hear the, this scripture of Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 8, we, we read it at weddings and we read it at funerals. We've even heard it in beautiful songs with uh, pretty music behind it, with a great orator reading the Scripture. We speak of this in, in very sacred and solemn times, very sweet times, let me put it that way. But you know, when you put this in the context in which it's laid, I don't know if Solomon meant this verse as sweetly as we read it many times. He's frustrated. And he's realizing there are different seasons that he can't control. And no matter if he wants peace, somebody else wants war. If he wants love, somebody else wants hate. If he wants to, to weep, somebody else wants to laugh. Whatever he plants, someone else is going to pluck it up. I believe there was much more frustration in this and yet freeing at the same time for Solomon. Very many mixed emotions in this passage of Scripture. And if we'll be honest, we will say the same thing. Because we too have planted and someone has plucked it up. We too have needed to weep and someone else was laughing. We too wanted to dance, but someone else was mourning. We too wanted to cast away, but someone wanted to keep. We too have wanted to keep silence, but someone else spoke. We wanted to love, but someone else wanted to hate. We wanted peace, but someone else wanted war. And they even took our labors in their season. And he asked the question again in verse 9, With all this knowledge, what gain has the worker from his toil? He said, I've seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. And then he says in verse 11, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Everything beautiful in its time. What, what Solomon is saying here through Ecclesiastes 
chapter 2, and then as we get into verse 3 of the seasons that God has orchestrated these seasons or these appointed times for us to live in. And He has given this work. And we see all of these seasons in our life. One season we're laughing, the next we're weeping. One season we're gathering, the next season we're casting away. One season we're seeking, the next season we're losing. Doesn't this describe all of our life? And if you're young and you haven't seen all of these, if God blesses you with years, you will see all of these seasons in your life. This is the work that God has given us to do, that He has orchestrated these seasons or these appointed times for us to labor in. Appointed times that God has established. No matter what work we've tried to orchestrate upon our own, these seasons come and they go. No matter how hard we try to hang on to some of those seasons, they slip through our fingers like the sand. God is established there. And God has put us here for these appointed times. What does that mean? That means I cannot reconstruct the past. I cannot reconstruct the past. You can learn from the past. You cannot rewrite it. You cannot reconstruct it. And I'll say that's what many are trying to do today. And it's not helping matters any. Even by bad things that happened in the past. You, there's no sense in trying to rewrite it. it. It happened. It's there. We learn from it. And we grow in it. I cannot rewrite the past. You cannot rewrite the past. You can't reconstruct it. And nor can you determine the future. We looked at that last week with His wisdom. It bothered Him. No matter what I do, no matter how much wisdom I have, the same thing can be experienced by the foolish person, and I can't determine exactly what's going to happen in the future. No matter how much wisdom I share, I'm still going to die like the foolish man, and we'll be buried together. We cannot rewrite the past. We cannot determine the future of how someone is going to act or behave with what we've worked so hard to leave them. We can't determine that. All that we can do is be present today. I don't mean just present with your backside in the pews. I mean be present where your feet are. All we can do is be present today and labor in the appointed time that God has put before us. If it is a season to weep, then let us weep with each other. If it's a season to dance, forgive me, Baptist, I don't dance, but dance with each other. If it's a season to build up, let's build up together. God's appointed that time. Sometimes it's a season to pluck up what has been planted. And we've got to be present and labor with the work that God has given us to do in our appointed time. Or else we'll find no joy and lasting significance and meaning and purpose in this life apart from the appointed time that God has put before us. 
the pillar that holds these passages together is also found in verse 11. As he said, also he has put eternity into man's heart. That's really the understanding to why we cannot find satisfaction, lasting satisfaction in what we do. It's because we were made for eternity. And we know deep down, no matter how pretty we make our landscape, it's not going to stay that way. No matter how beautiful we make the church or our lives appear to others, it won't last that way. Nothing in this world lasts and the earth is fading away. We were made for eternity. And that's why apart from God, we'd never try find true satisfaction in the labor that we do when we try to do it for us. You know, one day, um, I thought this week, I've this, I'm in my 15th year and I pray for the Lord's blessing to be with you as long as I can, as health and life allows. But one day, years from now, I'll just be another name on a wall or in a piece of history. Nobody will know me really other than just a name. They might read of a couple of things we did or something. Just a name, on, even if I'm lucky, on a little plaque out there. Oh, someone might faintly say, oh, my dad knew him or my grandfather knew him. But other than that, they won't know me. And they won't know what we've done this Sunday. What's happened very sacred and beautiful even in this house this morning of, of Bible study and fellowship and love and handshaking and worship and study of the Word. They won't know about this Sunday most likely in 50, 100 years from now. And you know what? That's okay. This is our appointed time. And they'll have their appointed times to walk in as well. They'll have their seasons. And I want to say this. It's okay if they don't know me or remember me as long as the name of Jesus Christ goes forward. Let my name be forgotten, but let the name of Jesus be magnified. It'll be the same with you as well. And what we are doing today will either be a stepping stone for someone to legitimately step on the foundations we've laid and build and do their own thing, so to speak, in their appointed time that God has given them, or they might just waste it and tear it down. But I'm not held responsible for the past. I can't change it or rewrite it. I can only learn from it. And I'm not fully responsible for the future because I can't determine that and control that. But God does hold us responsible for how we live in this appointed time. Brother Vernon, that's all we have to worry about is what we do right now. God's got everything else. God's got even this in His hands. In verse 12 through 14, He said, I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live, so that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in his toil. This is God's gift to man. 
I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. If you believe that, say amen. Nothing can be added to it. I can't add anything to what God's doing or has done. And, and also, I can't take away from it. I can't add to it and I can't take away from what God has done and is doing. Now, for some of us here today, this could be the most disturbing news that you've heard. Well, it was to Solomon too. That you can kill yourself at your job and try to find your worth and identity among co-workers and to be praised. But one day you're going to die and they're probably not going to erect a statue. They should, Uncle Stevie, but they're probably not. And if you're lucky, you'll be a name on a wall somewhere or maybe in a picture that will be remembered for a few years and then as more years go by, they'll move the picture to the back hallway because nobody knows you anymore. And then in even many more years, as time goes on, the picture will be taken down and put in some back closet somewhere. That's going to be with all of us most likely. And even if God does appoint... Uh, someone to have a statue made of them, and it might be visited greatly in the first few uh, years and in the first decade, but then as time goes on, fewer and fewer people make the trip because they don't know and they don't appreciate, and they're doing their own thing, even the wise people, and others don't care. This could be the most disturbing news to you, or it could be the most freeing news to your soul today. To think, all I'm responsible for is this time. God's put me here for a purpose for now. He got humanity through the past, the good and the bad and the ugly, and He's got the future, and He's put me here now to use me in this appointed time And that's all I have to worry about. I can't determine what someone's going to do with my labor that I leave behind or anything else that I leave behind. I can't determine that. That can be destroying to your ego or it can be freeing to your soul. It's all in what you do with it. This season that we're in, what do we do with that truth? I've listed three very quick things. I'm not going to tarry on these, but I'm just going to say, what do we do with this knowledge that Solomon wrote, which we really knew in our hearts anyway because eternity is in our hearts and we know that nothing lasts. One is do the work that God has for you to do in this appointed time. Do it. Don't just be a spectator. Get involved in the game. Do the work God has put before you to make the difference in your lifetime. In this season, whatever season you're in now, don't just overlook it and its significance and its importance. He's made everything beautiful in its time. Do the work God has for you to do this appointed time and then rejoice in it. Rejoice in it. In this you can find great joy when you do the work God has put before you. In this season, this appointed time, you can find great joy and genuine peace and fulfillment in your work because you've just done what He's asked you to do and you trusted Him with it. 
Secondly, do not waste your appointed time. Don't waste the appointed time with idle and selfish living, doing your own thing and finding your own identity apart from God. It doesn't last. Don't waste this time, even this morning, this very hour. Don't waste it upon what you think life should have been like for you and what you want it to be. And just selfish living and idle. Don't waste this appointed time God's blessed us with this morning. Thirdly and lastly, be present where you're at in your appointed time. I read a statistic the other day, and I would say, and I'm not one that just believes all statistics. I'm dumb, but I'm smart enough to know they can be manipulated very well. But it said humans spend 47% of their time thinking about the past. I would say that's probably pretty correct. Could be even more for some of us. And not all that's bad. A lot of times we think of precious memories as children or with family. And uh, it's good to think of those things. And sometimes we, we uh, I still think of things I've done years ago that burdens my heart, even though I've asked forgiveness. And I know I'm forgiven, but still it bothers me. We do spend a lot of time thinking about our past, don't we? We also spend a lot of time thinking about the future, don't we? What physical shape will I be in in 10, 20 years? Or will I even be here in 10, 20 years? What are my kids going to do in this situation? Or even even the next month, even shorter future, we think, am I going to be able to do this next month? Or we, we do. We spend a lot of time in the past and in the future instead of being present where our feet are. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with planning. We need to plan. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with reflecting. Certainly we reflect and we remember. But many times we miss the right now that God's given us. This appointed time, this season, this time where our feet are. And I would encourage you not only to do the work that God has for you to do, and not to waste the appointed time with idle and selfish living, doing your own thing, but be present. Be present. Our society is hard with being present. I think probably more with technology more than any society before us. And we've been just as guilty I'm, I'm preaching to myself here. When you sit down at a restaurant and a dinner table and I look up and all four of us are checking social media or emails or text and we're all here right in front of each other, but we're not there. And you know, that can be the same for church. You might physically be here, but maybe you're really not here this morning. Your mind's already somewhere else. Or someplace it's already been. You ever get your peace stolen? You go outside like a night like last night and you're sitting on the porch and, and it is so beautiful and you're looking at the beauty around you and then all of a sudden those, the past starts 
pulling you away from the beauty of the sky. Or then you start to think about all the work that you have to do at the house, and then it starts pulling you this way. And then all of a sudden you went out to relax in the beautiful, cool spring evening with a good cup of coffee. And all of a sudden, from the emotions of the past and the remembrance of the past and what you've got to do around the house and at work and at church and all these other things and in the community, you, you, you've been robbed of that time, the joy of that sunset the joy of that gentle breeze, the joy of that simple cup of coffee, maybe with a friend. Be present where you are. Don't waste the appointed time. Do the work that God has given you to do, beloved. Trust Him in all of it and with the rest. He's got it in His, in his hands. You know, God has given us this time today. Yes, we made a, a decision willfully to get up and to clean up and to put our clothes on and to come to this place. And we drove here uh, with by ourselves or with our friends or with our family. But ultimately, God gave us all of that. We did nothing apart from Him. And God's given us this time this morning. He appointed this time in the heavens long before we came through these doors today. And I would use as my invitation to you this morning just what we've said. As we have a time where you're invited to come to Christ, would you not waste this time? You might not have it back. If... If you're an unbeliever, would you give your heart to God through Jesus Christ today? If you're a Christian frustrated in life because you've been swept away like we all do at times with trying to find our value and our self-worth from what we do, and you need to be caught back into the glimpse of glory and to what God has for you to do, and you need to come back and ask forgiveness and just come back and Come into His presence. Don't waste this appointed time. God's given it to us. He's given us this season today. And this is a time for you to either pray where you're at while we're singing, to dedicate your life more fully to God, to pray for strength and help not to waste the times He's given to be used, to be present. Or the altar will be open for you who just need someone to pray with you. I'd love to do that. Lead you to the Lord Jesus Christ. Lead you into the fellowship of the church. Maybe you just need to come to the altar and just kneel down and pray. Whatever it is, this is between you and God. I'm here to help if you need me to. If not, you can go straight to God. But whatever it is, don't waste this time.